You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking again with Emily Fitzpatrick. She is the founder of Flagship Equip, and today we're going to be talking about burnout. Emily, thanks for being on the show again. Hey, Zach. Good to be with you. Yeah. So uh, this is a topic that we wanted to discuss last time we um, did an episode, but uh, you're you have a passion around this particular topic of burnout. Can you um, share what that passion is, what what caused you to have a passion around this idea, and maybe discuss um, yeah. like the importance <laughs> of it, because I think it is it, so important. It totally is. Um, I think probably why this comes up, it's like a recurring theme in my life, because I just after 15 years of ministry, it's this constant you know, tug of war that I have with self-care and burnout. And, um, you know, last time we talked, I spent 10 years in anti-trafficking work as a founder and executive director of a residential program for Mm -hmm. sex trafficked teenage girls. And so I was just constantly around trauma and, you know, girls with trauma and stories of trauma. And and, uh, I didn't realize how much that affected me, you know, because I just kept going and going and going until I resigned and got away from it. And so I've just been on my own journey of just kind of recovery <laughs> the past <laughs> three or four years and um, learning what it means to do ministry in a place of rest versus striving and burnout. And uh, I'm excited to talk about this with you today. Yeah, I'm excited too, because I, I think both for myself being new to ministry and not wanting to go down that path and and also as a person that's driven and knows that uh, I can put success of the organization and success of my ministry and uh, the pursuit of tasks and checking things off my list um, as ultimate and above what God has called me to, which is an intimate relationship with Him. And so um, uh, this idea of, of burnout is something that you hear a lot about. I don't think it's talked about enough within the ministry space. I don't think it's something that we um, take seriously enough as ministry leaders, uh, this reality that um, it does happen so very often, both in the uh, church ministry space and, and the parachurch ministry space. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. So I guess maybe to start, what made you decide to start that ministry within that sex traffic teenage girl space? Um, because... I think going into that, there's probably a little bit of, um, did you have expectation that you were going to be dealing with such hard situations and scenarios on a consistent (laughs) basis? Or was it just like, oh, this is just an idea the Lord has. I'm going to chase after it and we'll see what happens when we get into it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I will tell you, I always say I didn't choose that calling that God obviously chose me for that. And I think it was just you know, I had a kind of a rough teenage years. I mean, I had a great childhood and teenage, so it wasn't like I had a bad 
home life, it was just, I was pretty wild <laughs> and I was not following the Lord. Let's just let's leave it at that. And, and, um, and so my heart, when I came back to Jesus, I was 22 and he just kind of rocked my whole world and shook it upside down and really did this huge work in my life. And it was just such a cool time and just rededicated my life back to Christ. And, uh, you know, went on this journey with him and, uh, within a few months, I just felt like even just a strong calling to do something big for him. And I remember sharing this with my small group Bible study leader at the time. And I said, I feel like I'm really called by the Lord. And he said, we're all called Emily. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Cause I just felt like this huge calling. And mm-hmm. I feel like nobody would understand it. And, um, he gave me the name on Eagles wings ministries when I was like maybe 23 or 24. And I sat on it for like four or five years before I did anything with it. Uh, and I talked about this on my last podcast and just how with you, Zach, about how I just began a strip club outreach. I felt mm-hmm. like God, I prayed and prayed and God put the strippers on my heart. And I finally felt like, oh, my gosh, I know what I'm supposed to do. And so when I started out with the strip club outreach um, and did that for about a year, I had no clue that he was going to lead me into working with sex traffic teenage girls. It was just kind of a series of events and conferences and meeting different people uh, who just continued to confirm and uh, affirm that direction. And, uh, God did so many miracles to open up the doors of the hope house, which was the first residential home for sex traffic girls in the U S and, um, all that to say, like, I didn't have a degree in social work. Right. So I, you know, as a trained social worker or even a therapist, you know, about trauma, you understand secondary trauma and how that affects your body. Well, I had no clue. I mean, I was just young, ambitious, you know, I loved teen teenagers. I, I was passionate. I just wanted to share the love of Jesus with these people. And I guess I kind of had this vision that we would open up this home and we would, it would be like girls ministry all the time. It would be like, you mm-hmm. know, s'mores by the campfire and outings and <laughs> it would be fun and laughter and painting your nails. And like, that's what I envision and sharing Jesus. And they would be so happy to be there. And like, oh my goodness, it was nothing like what I envisioned when I first started. And <laughs> the girls came, you know, a lot from inner cities and they had just had these horrible <clears throat> home lives. You know, we did this in uh, rural North Carolina. And so they, they came to the mountains and they were like, first of all, where am I? Yeah. You know, where's the mall? Like, where can I get my nails done? You know, just like, it was this whole different vibe and experience. And Um, and so I just was really like, wow, what are we dealing with here? A lot of fights and arguments and acting out and behavior disorders and mood disorders. And, and then we got into the whole uh, realm of, you know, doctor's appointments and psychiatrists and psychologists. And, you know, and at some point, a few years later, I remember coming home one day from Hope House and my husband was outside and I was just sobbing. And I said, I'm shutting the doors to this place. I was like, I hate this thing. Like, this is not what I expected. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm shutting the doors. These girls are awful. They're so mean. They don't care. They're not appreciative. You know, I was just in my flesh, um, you know, making it all about me. (laughs) (laughs) And my husband was like, um, I thought this was God's. It's not yours. I'm like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But it was this eye opening thing. And so I'll tell you what flipped the script for me, Zach, was, um, one of our major donor partners called Shared Hope International. At the time, they had really helped us so much to get the Hope House off the ground. And, you know, they had assigned, basically like one of their staff was walking me through a lot of policies and procedures and just how to interact with FBI and law enforcement and all these referring agencies. And they were so great and <clears throat> also, you know, supporting financially. But 
they saw this battle, you know, that our team and staff was having. And they sent a lady, I always say she's my angel. Her name is Dr. Rebecca Johnson. And they sent her to Hope House to spend a couple of weeks with us and learn about trauma informed care. Mm. And I, when I spent that time with Rebecca, she's a very, like, she's been around trauma her whole life, and she's trained people in other countries about how to work with human trafficking and in the U.S., and she just, she's a, um, you know, that's just what she does, and she's, she was such a gift, and as she began to help us as a team better understand trauma, it was like the light bulb went off, and I started viewing the girls as like, oh, I understand PTSD now and why they're doing this. It's not that they hate us or they are so like they're acting out or they're just bad kids. Like it, it, it really changed the whole way I viewed everything. So, uh, but it, but like I said, it was, uh, the vision was happy sitting around the campfire girls sing mm-hmm. kumbaya, I guess, but that was not how it played out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it never it, it never ends up being what you expect going into ministry. One of the things that, no. as I stepped into this, one of my uh, close friends and I'd consider him a mentor said to me was, "Be ready for the ministry to look a lot different than you than you think it's going to look going into this." Mm. Like the Lord has a very clear plan and direction for what He wants your ministry to be, and you may have a different. Um, idea in your mind like there's a obviously a general vision and direction you want to go and you feel mm-hmm. called towards but um, he may have something completely different so be prepared for whatever that may be and so yeah um, I think for ministry leaders it's just important to realize that at the end of the day this is these ministries that we've been called to whether it's church ministry or parachurch ministry uh, these are these are the Lord's and they're not mm-hmm. ours. And it, it's so easy. Like that's, that's my predisposition to go and try to make it my own and try to yes. put the success of it ab- above and ultimate uh, above the Lord and put, um, like I said earlier, that, that task oriented focus and that um, success driver mentality that I have. And I think a lot of ministry leaders have because we're, we're leaders. We're, we're wired as leaders right. and we have those giftings and, and leaders tend to have an idea of where they want to go and what they want to do, um, and at all costs are going to get to that. And and a lot of times, I think it ends up being um, at the cost of either putting the the ministry and this pursuit above the Lord, or or something else. And I mean, just like anything in our lives, it's, e- it's so easy for us to make other things ultimate. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's such an important conversation to have. So now. Now that you're working with ministry executives and leaders on a consistent basis and in like a <clears throat> uh, wide outreaching, um, you're working with a lot of leaders on a consistent mm-hmm, basis. So mm-hmm. what are some of the areas you're seeing that cause ministry burnout? Have you found that there's like a maybe a single root cause or issue or have you found that happens for a multitude of reasons? What have you seen? Yeah, well, the two biggest things I see is um, the first one is just what you were just talking about, kind of uh, the to-do list. The you know, I kind I call it the hamster wheel. You know, you just jump on that crazy train mm-hmm. and you're just going, going, going. <laughs> um, a lot of these leaders are visionary leaders, and they have these big ideas and big dreams and lots and lots of passion to you know change the world for whatever cause, whether it's human trafficking or trafficking or orphan care, whatever that may be. And 
it's like, you know, no doubt that God is calling them, but where's the balance? And, and so, you know, I always say I'm a recovering workaholic.